welcome to Haunted by Proxy. I'm Landon. And I'm Joey. This story is called Tot Lot. I began nannying early on when I was in high school. I quickly realized after getting my BA in sculptural art that I could and would probably just be a nanny for the rest of my life. Especially because around the time I was 23, a couple of years after graduation, I found myself nannying for a very rich couple. Both women, yes, this was a couple with two women as the people in the couple, were lawyers. Leanne, always smartly dressed and overprepared, was kind but stoic. Mystic, her wife, was the opposite. It might seem cliche, but it is true. Opposites attract. Personality-wise, I mean. I am a huge ally of same-sex relationships and all identities and sexual preferences. I am extremely progressive and follow a lot of people on Twitter. Regardless, despite their comical differences, Leanne and Mystic always managed to make things work. And in fact, theirs was one of the greatest relationships I ever witnessed up until that point in my life. I grew up a child of divorce. I unfortunately had a man and a woman as my parents, which of course was part of the problem. My father constantly left the seat up, and my mother would always sit down to use the toilet without first looking, and her buttocks would fall inside the bowl. She would scream out from the bathroom for help, as the bowl and her cheek skin created something of a suctioning force, and she could not get herself out of the toilet without some type of lubricant. Usually, I can't believe it's not butter. After my dad would help pry her ass from the cold porcelain pot, the same fight I'd heard a million times over would replay again. I would cry in my room, wondering aloud to my Teddy, the name I gave my Cabbage Patch Kid, why neither of them could just figure out the simple fix of this now decades-old argument. Simply put the lid down or look before you squat became my own personal mantra from then on. I only tell you this because it will become incredibly important later on. Leanne and Mystic had one boy. Being high-powered attorneys, they rarely had time for him during the day, ergo, me. I started in the summer with high hopes of only staying on until fall. I had applied to a handful of sculpture-making internships since college graduation and hoped that perhaps one of them just forgot to email me back. I know it couldn't be that they didn't see my talent. My resume was vast and accomplished, and I had great recommendations from my main sculpture professor, who once called my work a, quote, disturbingly accurate rendering of how women would look should they be stuck in a toilet bowl, unquote. I believe no one could deny the power of my many pieces that reflected the continued fight against the patriarchy, but alas, no one was biting in the two years since I completed my final and most intricate work. Nude Woman, Flubut. Jerry was the boy's name, and he was a handful. As his parents worked all day in the city, we would go to the park or play in their backyard that looked out over a beautiful vista that only dual lawyer incomes could pay for. Sometimes we would watch a movie, other times read a book. The lengths to which one must go to appease a child are oftentimes unimaginable, as you can probably imagine. 
If I could go back to those rigorous days of coloring and coloring books or play acting as dinosaurs, though, by God, I would. I actually rarely spoke to Leanne or Mystic in person. We got along great, but they were just so busy that most of the time we would simply text back and forth. Leanne would always already be at work when I arrived for my shift in the morning, Mystic quickly rushing out the door as soon as I arrived. And at the end of my day, there was a woman that came at 6pm every night to clean and cook dinner, and I left Jerry with her. When Jerry's parents would arrive home from work, I honestly didn't know. The expectations were quite clear. I arrive at 6am and leave at 6pm. Mathilde, the maid, for lack of a better word, sorry, would take over until Leanne and or Mystic made it home. I often thought, why even have a child if you spend so little time with him? But that was a much bigger question with answers far too nuanced for a master sculptor to parse. I'll never forget the Monday when everything changed. I received a text from Leanne at 7am, one hour into my shift, with two words and an address. The words? Totlot. T-O-T-L-O-T. A cute name for a daycare play space for toddlers, I assumed. I won't include the address for legal reasons, and honestly, I don't want to even think about it more than I have to. But I will continue, as this story is important for others in the role of childcare to know. I sent back the usual thumbs up response. Whether it was because she was over 40 and lacked text etiquette or simply a busy career woman, Leanne often wrote in stunted sentences and with just the bare minimum to get her message across, so this text in itself was nothing odd. I inferred as I had many other times that I was simply to take Jerry to this address. I googled the address and sure enough directions popped up to a building called Totlot. I wish now that I would have spent a little more time noticing that there were no reviews and the location was in an old factory and warehouse district, one that Leanne and Mystic wouldn't be caught dead in, unless it was recently revitalized as a high-end shopping district with small overpriced boutiques and artisanal coffee and tea spots. Leanne replied to my thumbs up with the following message, 8 till noon. Looking at the directions, it would take almost an hour to get there, so I quickly loaded a very sleepy Jerry into my 2007 Toyota Avalon and made the trek to Totlot. I just barely made it to the building by 8, but let out a sigh of relief when I did. Leanne can be quite intimidating when confronting you about your failures. She reminded me of my own mother a lot in that way. Minus the fact that Leanne was never reprimanding me while her knees were touching her chin as her ass slid further down into the toilet bowl. Well, except for the one time. Anyway, Jerry went willingly into the honestly quite welcoming front doors of Totlot. A woman smiled and waved him in as I began thinking of how I could spend my Jerryless hours on this beautiful Monday. I went back to the house and turned on the TV. I sat with my mouth agape as I watched brother and sister duel Mikhail and Katrina Ivanov build housing complexes in their home settlement Sest in Slovenia on HGTV's newest show, Erecting Incest. Expecting no one to be home, I wanted to just relax a little and felt myself drifting off to sleep. I pulled out my phone and set an alarm for 11am, which would give me enough time to make it back to Totlot to pick up little Jerry when he was done. 
What startled me awake, however, was not Rumors by Lizzo featuring Cardi B, which is of course my alarm sound. It was Leanne, opening the door to the house in what I can only describe as a frazzled state. She quickly began rummaging through the drawers and cabinets in the kitchen as she only momentarily looked up at me and threw out a quick, hey. I quickly wiped the drool from my lips and got up, slyly covering for the fact that I was asleep not one second ago. I also quickly turned the TV to a random channel, which was unfortunately playing pornography. Leanne didn't notice, so I quickly turned it off after watching for another 15 seconds. She put her hands on her head, signifying that she was thinking very hard. She let out a disgruntled sigh. I asked, What's wrong? Why are you... home right now? She took a second to shake out of her thoughts. Then she smiled at me. Can't find my phone. Must have left it here today, but now I can't find it. To say the blood rushed out of my face would be to say Mount Rushmore is just a mountain. It does it no justice. Leanne could immediately see that something was wrong. But you texted me this morning, I slowly said, measuring every word in my mind before spilling it out. I certainly did not, she said. She began looking past me now, looking around me and around the house. Where is Jerry? I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. My mind was reeling, thinking of everything all at once. I felt as if I myself had just sat down, expecting a toilet seat to catch my buttocks, but instead slipping into a cold, piss-covered porcelain rim from which I could never get out. Finally, I snapped out of it as Leanne moved swiftly through the house, shouting for Jerry. I took out my phone and opened the text from Leanne. See? You texted me at 7 this morning! She raced over to where I was standing, or trying very hard to remain standing, as my legs no longer felt like legs, but warm butter noodles, or something less structurally sound than legs. She grabbed the phone out of my hand and read the text exchange. Tears ran down her face now as the typically stoic brow ridge bent inward in hysterics, her face an ugly Picasso version of itself as grief and fear and anger rearranged her usual symmetrical beauty. I did not send this. I haven't had my phone all day. Probably since last night. The last I remember having it, I was checking the WNBA scores. As cliche as it might sound, it was true. She loved her LA Sparks. Mystic, of course, thought all sporting events were just silly. I tended to agree, but also respect anyone who may identify as a sports fan. I am especially an ally of fans of women's sports. I looked at her and said, I'm so sorry. I just took Jerry to Totlot like you asked, Mom. Me, me, Mommy of Jerry? I felt good about the quick-witted cover-up of my own Freudian slip. Come with me, we have to go, she said. I hoped we could take her car, and we did. A Tesla. I'm no fan of its fascistic, narcissist creator, but I've always wanted to sit in one, and it was pretty cool. On the drive there, Leanne recounted her activity last night. She had come home around 8pm, greeted Jerry and Mystic, and took a quick shower. 
She sat at the kitchen counter and checked scores as she ate alone, her family having eaten already. Jerry beckoned her to join Mystic in singing him his lullaby, and she begrudgingly agreed. She asked if Mathilde could clean her plate before she left for the evening. We sang Jerry the entire album Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple before he finally fell asleep, and Mystic and I went to bed, if you know what I mean. Hitting some of those harmonies just does something to us. Anyway, I never went back out to grab my phone as we fell asleep in each other's warm, fully nude embrace. I was happy for their evening, but wondered why she insisted on telling me. That said, I champion anyone who has sex with a consenting partner or partners, as that is what I stand on Twitter. We arrived at Totlot, and it suddenly looked a lot less inviting. Nothing had changed, per se, except the cold light of reality perhaps shining a different light on the rundown warehouse where I left my rich lawyer boss's young son for four hours with strangers. We ran up to the door and I could just barely see into the building through a small window in the door. I tried the door and it was locked. I looked at the time. It had just turned 12 o'clock noon. Suddenly we heard the door click and I tried it again. The door swung open and the warm, welcoming woman I had seen four hours earlier waving Jerry in was there with a smile. Oh, you must be here for Jerry. He did great today. He's just coming now. Jerry followed behind her as she quickly opened the door just enough that I could barely make out in the blackness behind her a group of children sitting in a circle. Hey, why, I said before I was rudely interrupted. Jerry is a sweetheart and we look forward to seeing him again. The woman had her hands on Jerry's shoulders as he looked up at me and Leanne. He was smiling but was missing one of his front teeth. Leanne gasped. What happened to his tooth? She grabbed him from the woman and held him tight, whispering gentle, comforting words into his ear as the woman nonchalantly explained that he simply lost a tooth the same way that most children do at that age. Leanne and I were both so flummoxed that we didn't even have time to say anything else as the woman went back into the building and closed the doors. But before she did, she looked down at Jerry and said simply, You're a champion. Leanne loaded Jerry back into the car and we took him home. He seemed completely fine. Happy, even. He slept well that night, wiped out from what seemed like an ordinary day of play at a daycare with other children. Leanne found her phone under her bed. Mystic didn't see anything wrong with any of the events. All was well. Until it wasn't. I never took Jerry back to Totlot, of course. As much as we all tried to put the event behind us, Leanne thought it best to let me go after what happened. I could hardly blame her, but I still did. She had texted me. I was just following orders. But she couldn't reconcile that her phone was in the house with me while I was receiving the texts from her. And I couldn't either. I looked into Totlot the rest of that week in my time off. I found nothing, except the one Google Map image of the building, the address, and the imagined nightmares that kept creeping into my head of what went on behind that door. I saw a group of kids sitting in a circle could have been as innocent as a game of Duck Duck Goose, but something seemed wrong. 
Being that I had nowhere else to be that next Monday, I went to Totlot slightly after 8am. The door was of course locked, the building behind the small window in the door just barely visible. I noticed that there seemed to be a light source somewhere in the building though, light from another window. I ran to the back of the building and sure enough there was a bigger window, big enough that I could fit through if I could reach it. It was high up but I looked around me and I saw a stack of wooden pallets in the alley. Combined with the big dumpster directly under the window, I rigged up a stacked staircase of pallets that I could climb to that window. I think now that it was either the best or worst sculpture I ever crafted. With a little extra strength, I prized the window open and fell in. A terrible stench filled my nostrils. This was without doubt an abandoned warehouse, and by the smell of it, rotted flesh and meat was one of the wares, and though I prayed not, might still be. I walked down a hall and felt an uneasy, queasy tremble in my stomach. I reached the end of the corridor and heard a faint chanting. From the basement, it sounded like. I mustered all the courage I had, turned my phone flashlight on, and descended the stairs. The low chant turned into rapturous cheers, then boos, then hisses and shouts, then cheers again. As I reached the final step, I could hear the children's voices ringing in my head. I opened the final door into what I hoped was simply a playroom. In the middle of a circle of cheering toddlers were two young boys. They wore black tunics and were viciously attacking each other. The children all around them were jeering, laughing, screaming, booing. This was a dogfight, but with toddlers. I felt a voice behind me as my arms were grabbed and held behind my back. You shouldn't be here. I recognized this voice. It was then that Matilde led me by force to a set of bleachers where a slew of adults were exchanging cash. Money, drugs, car keys, house keys. They were gambling on the fights. Matilde looked at me. Children are vicious. They need to let off steam. Adults are worse. I saw as the two boys wrestled each other, slapping, biting, kicking. One of their few baby teeth fell out in the fury. Jerry was one of our fiercest champions. I knew he would be. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. His rage has been unlocked, and he will not be satiated until he can fight again. Leanne and Mystic are in danger, unless he returns. Matilde's grip on my arm drove deep, and I could feel blood trickle out of my flesh her nails biting into my skin. You are free to go. Bring us our champion. I left, and I moved back home to my parents' house in Kansas, and I never talked to Leanne and Mystic again. It wasn't until a few years later, when I was watching some show on TV with my mom as we ate our dinner that I saw it had been the three-year anniversary of the strange and disturbing murder of two high-powered West Coast attorneys. I watched 
my mouth agape as images of the bloodshed flashed on screen as the narrator explained the two women were believed to be murdered and their son, Jerry, kidnapped as he had not been seen since. But something inside me told me those wounds in the photos looked more vicious and carnal than a murderer-kidnapper would create. That was ferocious, animal, childlike rage. Jerry, if you're out there, I'm sorry. And if you see Jerry, turn and run. This has been Haunted by Proxy.